Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look, and some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads. Love where you live. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your Village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all doing well, that you're managing risk, you're staying safe as you can, while still doing what you need to do to get back of some of life's enjoyments. So we had a great trip to San Diego. I don't think I talked about this last week. I can't remember, but we are moving forward. We're getting our house ready to go on the market. Not sure where we'll live when we get there, but hopefully the right house will reveal itself to us in another three weeks or so once we're up on the market and we're ready to go. I'm also back from my race in Arizona, and I really wanted to shoot my next set of YouTube video tips from Tempe Town Lake, or I guess as they say there, Tempe Town Lake, but it was too loud, unfortunately, with planes and cars, with the freeway so close by, so I scrapped that idea. So I'll find another new location around town here. I'll shoot those today or tomorrow and get the next set up in the next few days. I did just put one up yesterday about helping kids through change, but for the race, it was really hard. I'll share more of that at the end for those who like to follow my race stories. Uh, but I will say that the Iron Man company did an amazing job of organizing and maintaining lots of safety protocols and standards. I felt really, really safe racing there. Um, I even got a new mask, my new favorite mask, because I worked really hard for it, my Iron Man mask. So I wear that everywhere I go when I go out now. Um, again, I did post my latest video to the Your Village YouTube channel yesterday morning. My oldest son, Carter, makes a quick appearance, says hello. And my younger son also makes an appearance on his skateboard. So if you want to see that, and or any of the other videos, subscribe to the channel. You can find the channel by searching for Your Village 
on YouTube. I just hit over 200 subscribers yesterday, so it's growing faster and faster. Once I hit 500, I will post another free class to the channel. And once we hit around 900, I'm gonna put up three different classes for you all to vote on, so that when I hit 1,000, I will put up the full class that has the most votes. So we're getting there. But for the questions, today's questions are about helping kids with tough emotions. I get a lot of questions about this, but this is a little bit newer spin on this, and it's always good to hear those tips because this is something so many parents struggle with with their young kids. So that's a great question. And then also this next question is about bedtime. So this mom is really asking about some mindfulness techniques for bedtimes to help her child calm down. This is a really fun new question I'm excited to get into, but I'm also going to cover some basics for that because we always want to cover the basics first before we go and add anything new. So I'm going to cover some basics and I'm going to talk about some mindfulness techniques for bedtime. So that'll be fun. The first question is from Stephanie. Hi, I've started listening to your podcast because we have a very challenging, strong-willed five-year-old. Our daughter can speak, but is a bit behind her peers. She has had speech therapy and was not breathing at birth, which was one of the questions on the speech therapy screening. She has been having trouble verbalizing her emotions, having tantrums, screaming, running and hiding, saying her brain is thinking too fast, and overall emotional regulation. We have tried so many different approaches, including redirection, hugging, giving her a safe space to cool down, getting on her level, describing her possible emotions and empathy, but nothing has seemed to work. We have picked up the I Am Love Peace Human books, and they're great, but haven't been getting results. Looking for any tips as we're getting drained, which is not a good mix. Any tips, please. So this is a very common area of struggle or concern for a lot of parents, but it's especially difficult when we have a child who is behind in one or more areas of development because very commonly a child who falls behind in one area of development will often fall behind in another or other areas as well. This is because the areas of development build off of each other. So I'm not surprised that she's also struggling with some social emotional skills with the lag in language. Now in the class, you're developing preschooler, also you're developing toddler, I discuss why and how this happens, how these are intertwined. I give some examples. And I did also just put up the first five minutes of that class on YouTube this morning, and it covers that first portion, it's in the intro, how and why these developmental areas interact and overlap with each other. So if you're curious to learn about that, it's also on the website, of course, along with the samples for all the other classes, and those are at yourvillageonline.com. But if you wanna see that part of that class, you can go to either the YouTube channel or to the website and watch that intro to that class to learn a little bit more about how these pieces all interplay off of each other. So let's talk about this in physical development, just as an example. So with physical development, that would warrant some extra time and therapy with motor skill development if she were falling behind. If you have a child who needs some extra work, if they're not walking properly, they're not stepping properly, their feet aren't developing properly to, to walk properly, you're gonna get them in for some therapy and support to develop those muscles. This is gonna be the same thing with the emotion skills, developing those emotion skills. They need some help getting caught up and they need some help breaking it down, breaking down to the 
smaller pieces, working on those emotions so they can build up to the bigger pieces of sharing those emotions more appropriately. So this is where you want to work on. You want to help her break this down. So my question or my hope is that have you been able to get some therapy for this area as well? Or can you ask for that? I would ask for some help with that behavioral side, the emotional therapy side to help her break this down. Because this is just something that, and I will give some tips on this, but this is something that obviously parents are just not going to come naturally too. This is something that people do as a profession, that they are taught how to help us develop these skills, help our kids develop these skills, and then help parents help their kids develop these skills because you're breaking it down to the minuscule tiny pieces and helping her build those up. So I would ask for some additional therapy, some behavioral therapy so that she can get some help with that emotional regulation. However, I do also have some things that you can work on if you can't get it while you're waiting to get the therapy. Here are some ways to get started. So I've talked about this a lot before. I'm going to go into it here again in, in some different ways and some different details that I haven't shared before. But again, you want to work on emotion skills during quiet times. When anyone, not just our kids, but especially kids who are really struggling with emotions, when they're really struggling, their mind just is not working. They're not able to sit and listen, calm down, listen to instructions. Now, some kids can calm down a little bit. You can coach them through it. It is definitely helpful. But if you have a child who's really struggling, who's really just like your daughter said, her mind is working too fast and she can't slow it down, it's really going to be hard to help her learn those skills in that moment. So you really want to work on this during those quiet times. That's when you really want to work on building those skills. Just like you can't help her run with a better gait or walk with a better gait in the middle of her walking or middle of her running, that's why you go to therapy, have them break it down, have them work on small ankle movements and those types of things they'll work on to get those new habits. You're going to work on these new habits during quiet times. This is when they sink in the most. It's when the brain is quiet, it's calm, it's open, it's pliable to ideas and to practicing emotion skills. So a couple of classes go into really good detail on this and really break it down, give lots and lots of tips. Tantrums class, the class on helping your child with anger, as well as the You're Developing series. You're Developing Toddler, You're Developing Preschooler, go into these. These are the foundations. We're building the solid foundation for social skills. We have to have a solid foundation for emotion skills first. This is the bottom piece. What are my emotions? What am I feeling? What is that feeling? Why am I feeling it? Then we can share it in a more positive way, in an appropriate way. We can share I'm upset, why I'm upset, what I need right now. We want to teach our kids how to ask for help, how to communicate their needs calmly, these types of things. So she needs help slowing down her thinking, breaking it down. So the first thing I'm going to go into are four different ways to do this. You want to talk about emotions and coach a lot about emotions in these four ways. Number one, reading books about emotions. You can find several books that catch her interest and there's so many. Um, and I do have the lists on the classes, all the classes I just mentioned, the tantrums class, the develop your developing series class, the helping your child with anger class. I have lists on helping kids with anger and then also on just helping them develop emotions. There's a whole list broken down by age, but just for a few of them, 
the book by Todd Parr, The Feelings Book. He actually has quite a few books. He has the something about being afraid, like the Afraid Book, the Feelings Book. I'm sure he has several more. They're very brightly colored, very simple drawings. And they really break it down really well. He's got some cute books out there. Another one, My Mouth is a Volcano. Another book called, and I don't have this exactly right, I don't think, but Alexander and the Horrible, Very Bad, No Good Day. Something like that. The, all the words are in there. I don't know if that's the right order. Um, but in addition to the lists on the classes, you can also just do a Google search or an Amazon search for feelings books for toddlers, feelings books for preschoolers. And I'm sure you can find a really good list and see what resonates with you or with your child and get several of those books and read those during quiet times in the afternoon, at bedtimes, just sitting down together. Number two, talk about emotions throughout the day, both your emotions and your child's emotions. Something like, you seem disappointed that your friend had to cancel the play date. Or, I'm so excited my new shoes finally came in the mail today. Or, I was so surprised to run into my friend Lisa at the restaurant. You want to label the feeling, explain the emotion, why you're feeling it, or why you think she might be feeling it. Let her help you explain why she's feeling it. Good emotions too, positive emotions, all kinds of emotions. You seem really excited right now. Tell me more about that. You want to help her start to talk about her emotions and why. And if she can talk about it during positive times, it'll get easier to talk about it when she's struggling with them as well. You want to talk about other people's emotions. So yours, hers, and then other people in public. That man seems really grumpy. I wonder what happened. Then you can do art around emotions. You can pick an emotion or let her pick an emotion and paint something for it. Make it as open-ended as possible. So... She can just use colors, she can use colors and shapes, she can use objects, she can use any number of those things as open-ended as she wants it. Let her paint a happy picture, a sad picture, a surprised picture, a frustrated picture. What does that look like? And then talk about that. You know, some of the pictures might have jagged edges for frustrated or angry and talk about that anger might feel like a jagged edge. So those are ways to start really incorporating emotions and pulling those neurons, developing those neurons between the logical brain, the thinking brain, and the emotional brain together. And then number four was the classes on the website. So the classes give lots and lots more suggestions, but these are some really great ones to start with. Also, the classes, all those classes come with an emotion faces page. It's a list of, I think we have about 15 or 16 different faces on there with different emotions to help kids start talking about recognizing those emotions. And we use those in a lot of different ways. In those classes, there's lots of examples on ways to use that page. But one of the ways right here is with the paintings or the drawings. You can look at that page, have her pick one and draw that or paint that that emotion on that page that day. Then she can pick another one the next day and you can talk about it. Okay, the next recommendation is called floor time. Now this was originally a type of therapy developed by Dr. Stanley Greenspan. It's a way of building a really strong connection with your child and it helps their brains develop strong neural pathways for emotional and cognitive development. It also supports the growth of their self-esteem. Now, I don't have a class on this yet on the website. It's something I do want to put up, but if you Google it, you can find it. It's really a pretty simple concept. It's basically, you're getting on the floor, you're playing with your child, and you're following their lead. You're spending 15 to 20 minutes a day doing this, whatever play they want to do that day. They get to choose the type of play, what they want to do. You follow their lead. 
it can yield amazing results. So these are things like, I see you use the yellow block for the top of the castle. I have this red block here. Where do you think I should put it? Now you can look this up again on Google to get exact instructions on the language to use during these play sessions, but it's really very simple and it yields huge results if you are consistent with it and do a good 15 to 20 minutes. A good four to five days a week is really great if you can do a little more, even better. So doing these things, the floor time, and then all the ways I'm working on emotions when she's calm, will support the development so that during the times of frustration, she will get better and better at handling them. She will be able to start to hear you when you're working with her during these times of intense emotions. But doing what you're doing, you can still label them if that helps you to feel better or you see that it's starting to work. And giving her the time to calm down is also important. But it's really those quiet times that are going to help her the most. Okay, when we get back after a word from our sponsor, I will answer a question about using mindfulness techniques as an option for helping kids calm down at bedtime, along with some other tips I have for smoother bedtimes just in general, because we want to cover the basics as well, but then we're also going to layer on some mindfulness techniques and ideas that parents can use. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. 
air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T. P-U-R-O-A-I-R dot com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back from the break, I'm going to answer the question about helping a toddler calm down for bedtime. So Evie wrote, hello, Aaron, I love your podcast. It's been so helpful for me in communicating with my son. He just turned three and he has a very happy temperament. He's super eager to please and we're working on naming his feelings, especially working on it when he's calm. Our issue right now is bedtime. We have a very strong routine. We don't deviate from it. Dinner, bath, pajamas, teeth, two books on the couch, two books in bed. Good night, Oakley. Good night, Mommy. He gets out maybe once or twice asking for water or saying he's scared, but he will stay up for two hours in his room reading, quote unquote reading, flipping through the pages of books. I would never want to remove the books. I want him to love reading, and honestly, I don't think they're the problem. I think he can't shut his brain off. He's super observant, super sharp, articulate for his age, and makes some very interesting connections that are very advanced. I'm not quite sure how to explain meditation to him. I've been trying to get him to breathe with me working on blowing out candles and such, but he's just not capable of emptying his mind, and I don't know how to explain that to him. Or am I overthinking the whole thing? This is a great question, and I do like all of the descriptions about him, and that is also helpful. And I agree 100%. It, I don't think it is the books. I think it's great to leave the books in, a, in his room. He's staying in his room. He's staying calm. He's staying quiet. And, you know, that's really the goal is, the, and the boundary is you need to be in your room. You need to be quiet. But we obviously can't force our kids to go to sleep. So I do have some suggestions for working with kids on mindfulness. I think this is awesome. I do remember when my kids first started their new school. It was a year ago, so it's not new anymore, but it was at the time. They had to do yoga a couple days a week, and my oldest was in fifth grade. He had to do meditation every day. I think it was before lunch, and he especially was not a fan of that. It's hard to sit still, quiet our mind. It's a hard thing to do. Um, I still am not very good at it. I still can't meditate sitting still. I'm far better when I'm exercising, when my body is doing something, then my brain can empty out and focus on meditating. And part of that is I do believe that I have ADD. My mind just does not shut down and it jumps all over the place. Um, but first, I want to make sure we cover the basics. And that is making sure there isn't a reason he's not tired enough at bedtime. We want to cover this first. We want to make sure this isn't the issue because all the mindfulness in the world won't make him tired if that's the case. So let's start here. Then we'll move to the mindfulness. So the first thing is to take a look at the sleep schedule. There should be at least four hours between waking up from the afternoon nap and the bedtime, meaning laying down to sleep, not starting the bedtime routine. 
So when I coach with parents who are having sleep issues, we start with this, with the overall hours, with the hours that they're supposed to be getting, the hours they are getting, and then what that schedule looks like day to day, what the bedtime is, the wake up time, the nap times, and what those are looking like so that if we need to shift some things around, we start there and start shifting things around. Then we work on, because if they're tired at bedtime, they should be falling asleep. So we want to get that shifted around and make sure that this is laid out in a way that they are going to be tired by bedtime. Then there might be behavioral things, but your son is sitting quietly in his room, which tells me he's just not tired. So if he is in bed and done with bedtime routine by eight, if bedtime like in bed laying down routine is done by eight, he needs to be up from his nap no later than 4 p.m. If it's 7.30 bedtime, like he's going to sleep in his bed or alone in his bed, routine is done at 7.30, he needs to be up by 3.30 in the afternoon. You can even get another half hour to an hour before that. So if you need to test that out, you can push it back a little bit. So waking up between 3 or 3.30 for an 8 p.m. bedtime or between 2.30 and 3 for a 7.30 bedtime and see how that affects things. See if he's more tired by bedtime. So work on that first. You'll know when you hear this what the schedule is right now and if there isn't enough gap between those and you'll want to lengthen those out, that gap between the wake up from nap and the bedtime. Then you can start working on some mindfulness as well. So for slowing down at bedtime in particular, here are a few suggestions. Now I do have other suggestions for working on mindfulness as well during the day, but since this is about calming down for bed, I'm gonna share those. So there are Mindfulness for Children. It's a meditation for kids app. It's an application, can be downloaded from an Android, App Store, iTunes, Google, Google Music, etc. So there are multiple versions available of this. There are a few versions that need to be purchased and there's one free version so you can try it out, see if you like it. And then you can go to the paid version if you want. Um, it's centered around guided meditation. It's designed to help children relax before bed. So this is exactly what you're looking for. Nature sounds and instructions will begin the session. It guides the child through a body scan, visualizations and breathing exercises. And reviews for this app have been positive. The developers report parents have seen a reduction in ADHD symptoms as well using this app. And I'm not saying anything at all that your son has ADHD or may have ADHD. He is entirely too young um, to even start thinking about that. It's just uh, that was the review of the app. So that's on there. But, um, you know, I, I think that he may just not be tired at bedtime. I think that may be the issue. Down the road, may you see these symptoms continue and may that be an issue? Potentially, but we are not even anywhere near um, wanting to think about that or look into that. They need to be in school. They need to be at least five years of age before you even start um, considering if that is a potential concern. I don't want to say concern um, as one with ADHD and a son with ADHD, not really a concern. It's just a different way of the brain working that doesn't always mesh with the way our world works, especially the school system. Okay, mindfulness games for kids. So here are some, some mindfulness activities that will help with the focus um, that could get your son's uh, brain shut down, shutting down, calm down for sleep. The first one is blowing bubbles. So you want to have your child focus on taking a deep, slow breath, exhaling steadily to fill the bubble, you want to encourage him to pay close attention to the bubble as it forms. 
as it grows and grows, then as it detaches from the piece of plastic that you're blowing it through, and then as it pops or floats away. Another thing you can use, it's the same thing, but you could use a pinwheel. You know, those little things you blow into and they spin around. You can use the exact same thing as the blowing bubbles, focusing on deep, slow breaths, blowing into the pinwheel, watching it spin around. The faster the breath or the harder the breath, the faster it turns, then slowing it down and watching it go slow. How little breath can he push out and still get it to move? Those will put his attention directly onto the bubble in the moment of what is happening with the pinwheel and the bubble and can calm that brain down and slow it down to be ready for bed. So you can try doing it before the bedtime routine. You could try doing it after the bedtime routine, after the books, or you could try both and you can see which one works best. You can start with one, see how it goes, try another one, see if it, how, how that goes, see what works best. To see all the classes on the website, including tantrums, your developing infant, toddler, and preschooler, any of the positive discipline classes, and more, you can go to yourvillageonline.com. So for those curious to hear about my race in the very hot Arizona desert, I will share now. For those who aren't so interested, we will see you next week. So you don't have to hang out and listen about my race report. So this race was a half Ironman. I don't remember what I've shared about this. It was a half Ironman in Tempe, Arizona, which is in the Phoenix area. It was still extremely hot out there. Um, There was some talk about whether we would be able to wear wetsuits or not, but it did turn out to be a wetsuit legal race. So we, they did an amazing job of the social distancing. We always had to wear our masks while we were at the athlete village. We had to, when we got there in the morning to get into the water, we uh, had to put on a mask. They handed it to us as we walked in, put on a mask on our way in, um, got ourselves ready. They had us all lined up. They had different corrals. We were all six feet apart and they would line us up one corral at a time. We'd go into the water one person at a time, five seconds apart. You wear your mask till you get up to the start. You throw your mask in the trash as you go into the water. For my race, I got into the water, started my race, and my goggles leaked. They were brand new goggles. I bought them there at the Athlete Village. I was not very prepared for this race in a logistical sense. I think athletically I was, logistically I was not. So my goggles leaked. I was not able to test anywhere. I was staying with a friend in a townhome, no pools. I just wasn't able to test out the goggles. So I had to pull them off in the middle of the lake and readjust them while trying to tread water and put them back on. And then I was out of breath. So then I had to stay there and catch my breath before I could start swimming again. So that's how the race started out. Um, I got through the swim, got out of my wetsuit. There was nobody to help with wetsuits this time, but I got out actually without too much trouble. So that I was really happy about. got onto the bike. I rode a little bit of the bike course, but not enough of it to really know it very well. I did drive it the day before, but you can't see road conditions in the car. And this race course was very difficult on a bike. You really can't get going very much. There's a lot of turns. There were 36, I want to say 36 turns and 15 turnarounds in this 56 miles. So you really just couldn't get going before you had to turn or turn around. And I'm not a technical bike rider. I'm I'm not great at turnarounds and I'm not great at turns. So I can't take them really fast. Um, And it's just kind of dangerous. And I'd rather get through the race than to be, have to be picked up off the sidewalk, my skin, like, you know, left on the road. So That was not helpful, and most of the roads were in pretty 
I don't want to say poor condition. They were moderate to poor condition. A lot of grooves in the road, a lot of bumps in the road, a lot of um, construction going on. So it just was really hard to get going. So it was a pretty slow bike ride. And to be perfectly honest and share, you know, racing while female, that was the first time. Well, actually, it was the second time I've ever had to race while female. I'm sure my female friends know what I'm talking about. And I'm sure the men out there can understand what I'm implying, but it was day number one and was very difficult. And I had to get off the bike a couple times and deal with it as well as with the run. And so that just slowed me down. <laughs> was not, was not an easy thing to contend with logistically during a race. So by the time I got to the run, it was hot as could be. I'm sure it was over 90. It hit 96 that day in the Arizona desert for 13 miles, um, I was able to, I, I won't say run, I was able to jog most of it. It was a very slow jog. I was averaging about a 14 minute mile. It was very, very slow going uh, for that race day. But, um, you know, I got through it and I finished. I was not super impressed with my results, but I got through the race. Um, I ran out of fluids on the bike. That didn't help. I was dehydrated on the bike. I got dehydrated on the bike and that just messes up the rest of the race. I just wasn't really prepared to race in the desert and race in the heat. I didn't have the sodium tablets. Um, I cramped for the last several miles of the run. So I really just kind of winged it in certain ways that just was not the smartest thing to do. So live and learn. What I've really learned is I don't want to do hot races anymore. But I, I've also learned that I'm, I have a a small range of temperature that uh, I can race in because I don't do well cold and I obviously don't do very well when I'm hot. So uh, I have to figure this out and I still think I'll do better in hot than cold, but I'm going to try to figure this out and find a better race that really is just a better fit for me so I can have a really positive experience next time, get back some of my confidence and my abilities and go from there. But of course, with this next year, a lot of the races are filled up already because they were canceled this year. So people had to postpone and they're already signed up for next year's races. So there, a lot of them are filled up. So I'm trying to figure out what I want to do about that. I'm considering Santa Cruz for next year, 70.3 Santa Cruz. Not a fan of the ocean swims. There's a lot of sharks around. <laughs> That's the other issue we're having. The sharks are sticking around this year. There's a they, they found in San Diego, all through Southern California, that the sharks that usually migrate out of the area after they've bred here are not leaving. They're hanging out. And we're talking white, great whites, uh, sharks that are, they're finding quite a few more this year than they normally do. So that kind of makes me a little uncomfortable. I know they don't attack humans very often, but uh, they do. And with moving to San Diego, I'm going to be swimming off of the San Diego coast. That's just where you swim when you're there. So, uh, yeah, it's a fear of mine, but I will, I will figure this out. All right. If you've got this far, thanks for listening. And um, if you have a parenting question you'd like answered, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.